Discover the magic of integrating your financial, legal, and life planning. It's time for Smart Simple Wealth. Well, hello there and welcome to another edition of Smart Simple Wealth. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Carrie Qureshi, a state and wealth planning attorney at Qureshi Law Firm, serving you in Arkansas, Tennessee, and Texas. You can find us online at QureshiLaw.com or just check the description of today's show for the proper links and ways to get in touch with Carrie and the team. She's the author of the book Smart Simple Wealth. And Carrie, it's great to be with you today. How are you? Hey, Walter. I'm great. How are you doing? Doing fantastic. Great to have you back for another month of action here on the show. And we've got another fantastic topic to talk about today. We're going to be getting into talking about cyber liability insurance, what to know about that. And in fact, October being Cyber Awareness Month. That'll be our main topic of the show today. And we had such a fun time with our guests last time around. Uh, we've invited them back for another round and another session of having them on the program to help give us some great insight into some of these really important topics. Carrie, tell us again who's joining us on the show today, and I'll let you guys take it away. Right, right. No, we had Andy Runyon and Philip Greer from Block Insurance on our podcast last month, and there was just so much information. We couldn't fit it into one podcast. And so we asked them to come back um, this month and really talk to a lot of our business owners about cyber liability insurance. And it, this this topic is so important and I myself, as a business owner, until I met Andy and we had this conversation, I didn't realize the risk to my business from a cyber attack. And so I think it's something really important um, that you work with an insurance professional, and Andy's going to give us some great advice today. So Andy, let's talk about, you know, what is the big picture right now? Um, What is going on in the cyber security realm? First of all, Carrie, thank you for having us back. Always enjoy uh, getting to, to visit with you. Right now, cyber the, the cyber realm is is it's crazy. We refer to it a lot as as the wild wild west. It's constantly evolving day by day. There's a lot of a lot of misinformation, a lot of uh, lack of education out there. And uh, as you mentioned, folks are they they know kind of what cyber crime is, uh, but they don't really understand the depths of it. And, and kind of where we're at uh, from a cyber liability standpoint is these these plans, uh, these endorsements have been around for years, but really just over the last four to five years, the need for uh, a more in-depth, more specific first-party coverage plan ha- has evolved. And really COVID is the thing that's thrown that into the forefront. Uh, you know, as everybody knows, I mean, we're we're meeting right now on Zoom because of, of, of COVID and a change in the marketplace. Um, um, we're sent out of our workplace. We were forced online. Transactions became electronic instead of face-to-face. And, um, you know, for a lot of us, we just kind of pivoted uh, to try to get to the end of the day. Um, and, and we were pretty ignorant about the process behind, you know, now I'm doing all this stuff online. It functions and I can get to five o'clock, but I really don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And what that's done is, is it's given cyber criminals the opportunity to come in and, and really, because of their knowledge, find loopholes uh, that we're not aware of and, and expose our businesses. Right, right. And, and there was an interesting fact I saw the other day, you know, it was something like, you know, an American business was breached every 11 seconds last year because of COVID and the increase in, in technology. That's correct. And, and you know, just to throw some stats out there to support that, um, in 2020, 55% of attacks were on small businesses. So 
if you look at how that changed with COVID, used to, you know, when you heard of a cyber attack, you you know, target Equifax, you know, one of the the, the big elephants, so to speak. And, and now in our current day and age, over half of the attacks happen on small business. Like I said, the average business is hit every 11 seconds. And then the estimated cost for 2021 from ransomware alone to American businesses is going to be $20 billion with a B. If you would ask in your local community how many people have actually had some type of cyber attack, you would be amazed at how many people have had something that has happened to their small business out there, whether it's ransomware, whether it's their computer systems were shut down. It is really amazing to us in Northeast Arkansas how we see so many people in our local community that own small businesses that have been affected by this type of cyber attacks. Right. And I think, you know, it affects the small business owner, you know, a lot more than a large business. Because you think about Equifax, you know, they could probably pay the ransomware or bounce back quicker. But for somebody that's like myself or, you know, with less staff and less resources, then they could be shut down a lot longer and, and have some pretty severe, you know, consequences or damages from a cyber attack. That's correct. 100%. And, and really, it comes down to three things. Uh, the bigger corporations obviously have the financial backing to handle large ransom demand or a hit. Number two, they have the opportunity to afford better IT services. And, and one of the things that we want to make extremely clear, cyber liability insurance, we are not the enemy of IT. It's not an either or thing. What we tell every one of our uh, customers or our clients is you should get the best IT front-end service that you can afford. Uh, they're the front-end and to try to keep something from happening, trying to keep something from coming through, we're the back-end. If something does happen, uh, how do you recoup that money? And obviously those bigger uh, companies are, are more invested and have the ability to invest in, in IT services. And then three is training. You know, the ability and just kind of having the inroads already built from a large corporation to train their employees about hey, don't click on these types of email. Don't ever share banking information or login information, you know, setting up multi-factor authentication and how that works. You know, most of your small mom and pop businesses don't have uh, either the knowledge, the, the how-to or the, the, the financial ability to, to, to train uh, their folks like that. Right. No, that's that's great points. So can you walk me through a little bit more um, and tell me, you know, what does a cyber policy really cover? Okay. So the, the, uh, the big thing that a cyber policy, you know, we kind of go bit by bit, the big differences for the standalone cyber policy, the first thing and the most obvious is system damage. If your computers are damaged, if you have to replace them, you get, you have coverage for that. Probably the biggest coverage, the biggest difference between a cyber addendum and one of these additional policies is the business income fees. You get hit with ransomware on a Monday when you come back after the weekend and a hacker says they have your data and they won't release it back to you until you pay them uh, half a million dollars in Bitcoin. Well, you're going to be down. Your, your computers are going to be down for a while. The average business interruption uh, in 2020, I believe, was uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 to 16 days. So uh, roughly two full to three full business weeks. If you're a medical clinic and you can't see patients, that business income is out the window. And these policies will protect that. Notification costs are a big thing, uh, particularly for my medical uh, clinics that we insure, our hospitals, pharmacies uh, that have thousands and thousands of, of patients and, and customers. If you lose their data, 
just quite frankly, you have to tell them about it. Um, and that that notification process, especially for those folks of us that are in Northeast Arkansas, if you've got customers or, or patients that are in Missouri, Tennessee, you know, Illinois, Kentucky, Mississippi, the notification, the legal parameters around notification are different in every state. So you have to hire somebody uh, to make that that information known. And, and that does come at a, an additional cost. Ransom demands are included. We, we mentioned uh, ransomware. Not only will they will your limits cover your ransom, uh, they will also these policies come with a breach response team. And what the breach response team will do is they will actually negotiate with the uh, hacker on your behalf uh, to see kind of what they have, check your system, and if the ransom is legitimate or not, and negotiate that down. Mm-hmm. Cybercrime is a big part. Uh, this is kind of a high-end coverage that's not that's not on any of these uh, cyber addendums or cyber endorsements, and that's just wire transfer fraud. One of the the big ones in the news was if anybody watches Shark Tank, uh, Barbara Corcoran's on Shark Tank. She's super sharp, really really good lady that works in real estate. And they had just uh, completed a $300,000 renovation on a high-end real estate deal. And they had been hit with malware that had uh, keyboard tracking software in it. And this hacker had been tracking their business for the past couple of months. And they knew when the date a transaction was to be. They sent an email to Corcoran's assistant saying, hey, the job's done. Just wire the $300,000 to this bank account. There wasn't anything that her assistant thought was nefarious oh. about that. And they wired 300 grand to poof. Wow. See, that that's really clever because a lot of times, you know, you think of the hackers, you know, and and they have the bad emails and it's very obvious um, that it, it's a scam. But it sounds like they are getting more sophisticated. The, absolutely. Uh, we, we actually had a phishing attempt at our office from, you know, an outside source and they, they've gotten pretty smart. They'll change you know, uh, an uppercase I to a lowercase L and you can't tell the difference between the two and then they hide behind those emails. So uh, the phishing part and the cyber crime is a big part. One of our high end coverages that, that we really stress, especially at like the pharmacy level is reputational harm. To paint a picture with the pharmacy, if a mom and pop pharmacy, those guys are already struggling with what's going on in the world with the big box pharmacies. Uh, if they were to get hit and shut down for any amount of time and, and grandmother needs her, her blood pressure pill, you know, if they're down, that script's going to Walmart, CVS, Walgreens, and it's probably not coming back. And um, these plans will cover that reputational harm and loss of business over time if, um, you know, customers go elsewhere. And then lastly, customer payment fraud is another high end uh, coverage. And we've seen this all the way down to like the local level with local businesses with funeral homes where the hackers would get the funeral homes, their logo, and they would send that out to their email base saying, hey, you know, this member in the community has passed. Instead of showing up because of COVID protocol, the family has asked that you make a donation in the name of the family, wire money to this account. And, um, you know, of course the funeral home was sued by multiple people and that customer payment fraud coverage is included as well. Right. No. And, and, you know, Andy, you had mentioned something earlier. You talked about like an endorsement or a rider, you know, so tell me, you know, kind of what's the difference between, you know, a standalone cyber policy versus some of these like riders or endorsements? 
Right. And so cyber liability insurance has been around for a while, but the majority of it, you know, from the early days, and, and this is where Philip will, will really be able to speak to this better than I will. But from the early days, you know, it was all third party coverage. You have a breach. Uh, that breach affects, you know, uh, your customers or, uh, you know, somebody that you do business with and you're found liable in a lawsuit. That's what the original writers or endorsements would cover. The big difference is all of those coverages that we just mentioned are what's considered to be first party coverages, the business income. How do we not, you know, go in the tank after we go down and lose business income for 15 days? Uh, the notification costs, which can run into the hundreds of thousands of dollars. The cybercrime where people can drain the bank account. How do we stay open from an event like that? Those are coverages that are specific to these standalone policies that would not be covered uh, on, on a traditional endorsement. Yeah, Kerry, the, the insurance industry is really slow to uh, react. And uh, I think in the very beginning, when we started seeing more business being done digitally, then we started obviously seeing a, a potential for cybercrime. And so what ended up happening was the insurance industry just started throwing these coverages in as kind of add-ons. Well, they were extremely limited with lower uh, values. Now what we're seeing is, is as digital commerce has evolved, so have cyber hackers, uh, so have cyber attacks. And so we're starting to see how we need to cover this more. So, this all goes to me to, you know, tell everyone that, look, don't just take if you haven't looked at your policy since 2010 and you think you have cyber coverage, find an agent, find someone that truly understands the difference between third party coverage and first party coverage and can really help walk you through some of the potholes that are out there that you can possibly step in uh, with cyber because there again, you can have cyber coverage, but it can be very limited or you can have something through some of those coverages that Andy just went through and it can be very ex expansive and uh, pick up a lot of coverages that you might not know that are out there. And, and what we see a lot of the times, Carrie, is, is people tell us, oh, we have cyber coverage. And then we get into, you know, the teeth of the policy. And, and I, I deal with the, the medical profession quite a bit. A lot of times that'll lie on a uh, professional liability, like a like a malpractice policy. Right. There'll be there'll be fifty thousand dollars of coverage there. And when we really start breaking down bit by bit, let's look at what what would the business income be if you close for the average of fifteen to sixteen days. How many how many patients do you have in the aggregate? Not just patients that are here today, and, and but like you have their medical records, and you would have to notify them as well. Well, it's over ten thousand. Okay, you got to notify all of those people. When you start, you know, kind of piece by piece adding that stuff up, it gets over fifty thousand dollars very quickly, and 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 gets into the half million to three quarters of a million, um, you know, depending on the size and scope of the business. Right. And I'm so glad you brought up professional liability insurance because, you know, from a personal um, experience, you know, I was that person when, when you brought that up and I said, oh, I think I have that on my attorney liability coverage. And then obviously when I pulled the policy out, I talked to a rep, I was really surprised that that was not included. I mean, that 
you know, I, I was exposed. And so for, you know, other attorneys, CPAs, um, you know, people in the, the medical field, um, you know, this is something that I think we just assume is part of that professional liability coverage. And that's not always the case. Correct. Right. Well, so, so lastly, you know, can you tell me just a little bit more? I mean, how much do these policies cost for, you know, the average small business owner? So it's, I mean, this is the part where I think maybe the biggest misconception lies because we sit and we talk about the things that we just talked about, loss of business income, getting into the tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars, the notification cost with, with thousands of, of customers or patients being, you know, extremely expensive and people assume on the front end, you know, hey, I'm getting a million dollars of protection or $500,000 of protection. This is going to cost me an arm and a leg. The vast majority of these policies that we've placed for people over the last two years have fallen between a thousand and $2,500 for small businesses. So you're talking that, I mean, our average policy is less than $200 a month. Uh, to protect a small business owner to the tune of 500,000 to a million. And, and we come alongside and ask those business owners, you know, hey, what's your exposure? What's your IT look like? How many people do you deal with? And the, the limits are customizable. It doesn't have to be one size fits all. We're obviously going to set up a, a mom and pop small pharmacy uh, uh, kind of out in the middle of nowhere with a different policy than we would uh, you know, a group of five or six dental offices that are, are regional, you know. Uh, but yeah, the average policy would be less than $200 a month. Right. No, I think that that's a great takeaway is just, you know, understanding that these are very, very affordable policies for the amount of protection that you're getting. So no, that that is wonderful. Um, I, I really appreciate all this great information on cyber liability insurance and appreciate you guys joining us today. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you for having us on. It's uh, it's uh, an area that we we deal with daily and uh, anything that'll get more education out to, to the community, I think is a benefit for everybody involved. And uh, before we move on with the uh, other parts of the program, Andy, if maybe if uh, you can give us some details of the best way to get in touch with you guys, if people have questions about some of the things that we've talked about today and on the previous episode. Uh, I think, you know, obviously the best way for us, I think if somebody still has additional questions is go to our website, blockinsurance.com. We have a page dedicated to, to cyber liability that has some documents, uh, a lot of, a lot of information uh, that'll get more in depth to the information that we shared. You can obviously contact me individually. Our office number here is 870-236-8744. And you can ask for Andy or my email is a runyan, R-U-N-Y-A-N at blockinsurance.com. Perfect. And we'll put the uh, information on how to get in touch with them in the description of today's show so it's easy for you to find. So just check the description or the show notes section for appropriate links, contact information, and all that good stuff. Well, there you have it. What to know about cyber liability insurance here in Cyber Awareness Month and uh, lots of great topics and information. If you just listened to this episode and didn't listen to the previous show, please go back an episode and uh, where we talk about what every business owner needs to know about health insurance. So a little bit different topic, but more great stuff um, with, uh, with everybody here going through all those different details that are important to you if you're a business owner. So go back an episode. Make sure you listen to that episode as well as this one. It's getting to know you time. 
Well, that sound means it's time to get to know Carrie. And since we have guests on the show today, Andy and Philip, a little bit better on the program. And uh, this is where we come up with kind of a, just a fun outside the box question each episode and just have a little fun getting to know your uh, advisor outside of the whole financial planning and uh, estate planning world. So, Carrie, we'll start with you, but we're going to give Andy and Philip a chance to answer these questions as well. Uh, so, today's is Who would you want to be stranded with on a deserted island? Mm. You know, I, I think this is really an easy question for me. Sometimes I, I, I struggle with these, but um, not a loved one or anything like that. Um, I would go with Bear Grylls. You know who Bear Grylls is? Like the yeah. survival guy. Right. So I, I'm assuming yeah. he could build me this this fabulous hut. He could get, you know, kill some wild animals, put them on a fire. Like, I think I would be pretty good if he was on the island with me. I feel like it comes down to your uh, to your goal, right? If your goal is to get off the island, then yeah, you want someone resourceful like that. Like the easy answer is to be like uh, your husband, right? Like right. if you were going to be stranded on a desert island forever, well then yeah, I guess you know you'd want a loved one there. But if the idea is to get survive and get off the island at some point, then yeah, that's a pretty good answer, I'd say. Right. I'm thinking Bear can maybe make us like this raft, and we could like float off yeah. and get, be rescued. So I like that, your, that would be my choice. I like your line of thinking, uh, Andy and Philip. What about you guys? All right. Uh, I'm going to go out outside of the box on this one a little bit, and I'm going to say Admiral James T. Kirk, because if I'm stranded with Admiral Kirk, that means that I can immediately be beamed up and we're no longer <laughs> on the stranded island anymore. Good. Beam me up, Scotty. Well, yeah, That's I right. have to say that one caught me off guard for sure. That's a great answer, though. I love that. There. So I kind of went uh, more of the loved one uh, response, and uh, I just had my first uh, grandchild. So uh, right now she's uh, brings a lot of joy. So I would think if I had to uh, be with someone forever right now, she's the one I would pick. That's a very sentimental answer, but also kind of uh, harsh and brutal to expose the grandchild (laughs) to a deserted island. (laughs) My family would answer the same way. There you go. There you go. Fantastic. Well, a a nice diversity of answers there. That's uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, Everybody thinking outside the box a little bit on that one. So love it. There you go. Getting to know everybody a little bit better on the show today. That one makes you ponder. Who would you be stranded on a deserted island with? Certainly a good question. Well, that'll do it for today's episode. Hope everybody joined it, and we'll talk to you again next time right back here with Carrie Qureshi on Smart Simple Wealth. Did you know you can subscribe to the Smart Simple Wealth podcast with your favorite app? It's on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and dozens of other places where you listen to podcasts. And if it's not on an app you'd like to use, let us know and we'll get it on there. To make sure you never miss an episode, just search Smart Simple Wealth on your favorite podcasting platform today and subscribe. Investment advisory services offered through Pegasus Wealth Coaching, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Legal services provided by Qureshi Law Firm, PLLC. The Qureshi Law Firm and Pegasus Wealth Coaching are not affiliated in any way. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. Opinions expressed are subject to change without notice and are not intended as investment or legal advice. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Consult your financial professional before making any investment decision. Information provided does not create an attorney-client relationship and cannot substitute for obtaining legal advice from an attorney admitted to practice law in your state.